a car question? Call us at 617-770-3030. That's 617-770-3030. Now, here's the car doctor, John Paul, on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. everyone and welcome to another edition of the car doctor program on salem radio boston my name is john paul the car doctor here to help you with your car problems if you would like to join us our phone number is 617-770-3030 617-770-3030 uh we have no guests for today so if you want to join us early on you can do that we will be playing a little trivia we have a couple trivia questions set to go and we have a car review coming up of the all-new scion ia and we'll tell you a little bit of secret about that. Also, some information in the news. And again, if you want to join us, our phone number is 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. And love to talk to you about your car, car problems. I don't know, your first car, your last car, whatever's on your mind. Uh, we'll be happy to talk to you about that. Uh, and just uh, see, what's, see what's going on in the automotive industry. Good. Interesting article, you know, people store their cars for the wintertime sometime, and this is something called the flat jack, and it helps prevent uh, tire issues, and it says parking collector cars on the floor for a long period of time can cause damage to tires by deforming the tire material, creating flat spots. Rick Payton, the president of U.S. Distribution for a new product that's designed to fight this problem, says flat jack is an inflatable cushion that will help to prevent flat spotting of your tires and associated tire damage during storage. It's basically a pillow of sorts that you put under the under the tire and uh, lets the tires, you know, instead of saying flat on concrete or wherever you happen to park it, it gives it a nice little soft surface to park in. And motorcycle tires are taught that a friction zone about the size of a quarter exists when a tire meets the road. The weight of the vehicle presses down on the spot, the same as with cars, except the car has more pressure points. There's one way to avoid having the spots where the vehicle's weight presses down. According to Peyton, is to distribute weight over a larger contact zone. Peyton says the flat jack inflatable cushions increase the contact zone by a factor of five. What's more, he says that acting as a barrier between the tires and the ground, flat jack reduces damage caused by temperature changes and it also may and i don't know if it would or not but maybe it would help with uh condensation if your uh concrete floor or whatever is uh wicks up a little moisture it might help prevent that but it's uh it looks like um looks like a whoopee cushion i don't know it's a little inflatable cushion and it's a flat piece of rubber that the car can be driven onto uh once 10 to 14 pounds of air pressure is pumped in and they may become tire cushions According to Peyton, uh, what sets a flat jack cushion apart from foam rubber cushions is they give the vehicle some freedom to move. The flexible, inflatable flat jack cushions relieve uh, chassis tension and lateral forces. I'm not sure all about that, but the, the idea that it's a little bit cushy certainly could help. Uh, flat jack allows the car to be stored with the suspension loaded. People have different opinions about that. Do you jack the car up and hang the suspension? Do you uh, store it, you know? with the suspension being compressed. Either way, I think the suspension sticks and gets, uh, you know, the best thing to do is always to try to use a car whenever you can. But uh, this was shown at the SEMA show, and it says four types of airbags are available. Small, they're $120 each. Medium, $130. Uh, 
uh, camper and large size are 150 each. So they're not cheap. But the new owner of a uh, newer Corvette with wide tires will want the large size bags, according to Peyton. So you'd spend, well, you'd spend uh, about $600, I guess, on a set of these inflatable bags. And, um, you know, I guess they're they're kind of canvas. They must be sort of canvas reinforced rubber to make it all work. Uh, this guy is also a collector. He pa- apparently owns 14 classic Cadillacs, and he uses them and kind of came up uh, with importing them or wherever he got them from. But again, he says, uh, we also have a camper version. If you do uh, native camping, you'll want to pull it in at an angle, and so you're, this, um, and you're slightly off. You don't have to auto level. You can use one of these. So you can actually, if you're camping somewhere and you don't have a jack system to jack your car up, you can do it with this. And he said the bags are not designed to make uh, for jacking up a car, but the companies had requests for smaller bags that could be placed behind body panels and inflated to push out dents. So I have seen, and they've been around for ages, uh, a vinyl canvas bag that you put under your car and stick it under there and use an air compressor and inflate it and you can actually pick up your car and change a flat tire with it in fact i even remember ages ago and it was probably some old popular mechanics magazine that the same thing would work if you connected it up to the tailpipe of your car and you could use a tailpipe to sort of blow up these bags whether those actually worked i don't know but the flat jack if you're interested in it for your car it's uh, flatjack.com is the phone number. If you would like to join us, our phone number is 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. The phone lines are open if you would like to join us. Nitrogen-filled tires, is it worth it? Well, I've always said not to me, but let's see what motorage.com says. Setting your service department apart from the competition, this is written for garage owners is always a good business strategy. By providing a service or technology others don't, potential customers are more likely to notice your business operation providing untapped opportunities for increased sales and service. With competitors clamoring just down the block, offering everything from free safety inspections to battery charges to 1995 oil changes and free tire rotations, how do you stand out? One innovative strategy would be to consider offering nitrogen instead of air for filling your tires. Nitrogen provides distinctive advantages over air for customers, while at the same time working as a great marketing tool for independent repair shops as well as automotive or power sports dealers or to attract, incentive, and retain loyal customer base. Using nitrogen in flight tires is not commonplace on cars and light trucks and is even less common when it comes to power sport vehicles. However, this is not the case with other tire applications, in fact, commercial and military aircraft, heavy off-road construction equipment, auto racing vehicles of all types and 18-wheel semis have employed nitrogen-filled tires for years. The aircraft industry specifically uses nitrogen instead of air for tire inflation. So, they're saying maybe it's, maybe it's worth spending the money. Under the advantages and disadvantages... It says exclusively using nitrogen-filled tires solves a lot of problems because it's a dry gas containing no moisture. Water-free environment inside the air transfers and disperses heat efficiently, making the tires last longer and significant cost savings. You know, I'm not so sure. Because 
nitrogen, the air we breathe, is, well, I need somebody who's a real Star, Star Trek fan. Not Marita. But I believe whenever the Star Trek folks were going to a planet, they would always say something like, well, the atmosphere is 79% nitrogen, which leads the rest of the planet to be oxygen and mixed gases. So it's uh, 18% oxygen, a couple percent of mixed gases probably, and 79% nitrogen. Well, if you're getting free, if you're getting free air and it's mostly nitrogen... And the theory behind it is nitrogen is very dry because there's no compressor to actually create moisture, which sometimes happens, which is good. Um, nitrogen molecules, in theory, are a little bit fatter, so they don't tend to leak out of the tire through porosity because tires are all porous. So it tends to hold air pressure better. But the other theory is if you inflate your tires and the oxygen leaks out and the nitrogen stays in, wouldn't you end up with mostly nitrogen in your tires? I don't know. I don't know that, well, and anybody who listens to this program knows I'm cheap. I don't think I'd spend $50 for nitrogen. Now, if I owned a repair shop and I had a nitrogen setup, would I provide free nitrogen to my customers? Maybe when they got an oil change and changed over their regular air to nitrogen to try to promote a interesting business practice might be a good idea and then say hey you know it has its benefits definitely nascar they use nitrogen all the time uh airplanes they use nitrogen in their tires all the time we're putting nitrogen in your tires and we're not even going to charge you for it i think that would be a smart marketing 617-770-3030 617-770-3030 our phone lines are open if you'd like to join us like mike is Good morning, Michael. Good morning. How are you doing, Carl Doctor? Good, and how are you? Good. All I remember about the Star Trek when they went to those planets, nothing good came out of it. Yeah, um, was nice time, but yeah except for uh, Captain Kirk always seemed to be there with some, you know, some alien woman. You. I don't know. Yeah. I know where you're going. Yeah. Hey, hey, the reason for my phone call was uh, I was this week, I don't know if you've seen it in the press, but... You know, Cadillac has announced this new rear-wheel drive large car they're bringing out, mm-hmm. and I, I read it with great, uh, it was great excitement. I mean, it was you know, it looks like looks a little bit like a Bentley. You know, it's like it's going to compete against the S Class, the Seven Class, and such like that. And I got to the very end of the article, and I just all the air came out of my balloon. It's going to be powered by a six-cylinder engine now. I know that people are going to say, well, it's twin turbo and it's this and that, but I think that the class of person that's going to buy that car really wants a V8 and probably for a V10. I don't know what your thought on it is. I don't think it's a, I don't think that that particular, particularly, uh, section of the uh, car buying market cares with a gas is $2 or $4, but I don't know. Why didn't they put a V8 in that thing? Well, you know, the, the same reason they didn't put a V8 in the, um, in the latest version of the Ford GT, the same reason they didn't put a V8 in the Acura NSX, that's a V6, uh, because they can make literally, you know, five or 600 horsepower now. 
with a V6 engine. And even though you might say, well, you know, there's nothing like a V8. There's no, uh, you know, there's no substitute for cubic inches. Uh, well, you know, in a lot of cases, once you get in the car and you find out the performance, and they're all they're also faced with things like weight. Um, so, uh, you know, do, you know, do traditionalists like, you know, V V8s and even bigger? I mean, when Bob Lutz was at the helm of General Motors, he was he really wanted to introduce a car that would be the next level above Cadillac. And I believe when they showed the prototype, it was a V12. Yeah, it was. I saw yeah. that few yeah. years ago. Yeah, so, you know, will people open the hood and be disappointed? Maybe. W w once they step on the gas, will they be disappointed? Probably not. Probably you know? not. I think it's perception. Yeah. I just think it's perception of yeah. the people that buy that kind of a car. Yeah. I mean, I, it would, very frankly, I mean, it would turn, in a way, it would turn me off. It would, I drive a V8 now in, in a large car, and it's uh, it's... Again, maybe because I'm your, around your age. I mean, we're used to having Cadillacs being have big Imperials and and you know uh, Continentals having big V8s. You know, you're probably right from a theater theatrical early in the morning. Yeah. You know, uh, from a viewpoint of yeah, it's lighter, it's better, it's cheaper, it's faster. But you know. But when I mean, you're sitting next to the guy with the Mercedes and you say, here's your car, it's got a V6, I just, I just question. I mean, I think they should have made at least an option of putting maybe that CTSV engine into it. That would well, have been my idea. Well, you, you know, you never know. They may, they may at some point. But, you know, even think of, you know, kind of where BMW is going in a lot of their cars now. You look at yeah. a lot of BMWs, and it used to always be you could read the, you could, the numbers made not any sense, but they at least made a little sense. You look at a, you know, a 328, and you know, you'd say it's a three series with a 2.8 engine. It's a 330 with a with a three liter engine, and now those numbers mean very little. It's more to do with they're all two liter turbocharged engines. You're right. Yeah. You're right. So, but you're right. If I if I just went out and spent a hundred thousand dollars on a Mercedes SL with the V8 in it, and then the guy pulled up next to me in the Mercedes SL with the V12 in it. Would I be would I be a little disappointed, Phil? Or maybe? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just thought it'd be a good way to start. All right, all right. Thank Thanks, you. Mike. Bye bye. Bye bye. Six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty. So, do you need a V eight? Is the new Cadillac? Does it need a V eight? Does the new Lincoln Continental? Does it need a V eight? I don't know. Uh, some of these V6s are very, very impressive. You look at the V6, uh, a lot of people I know who like the Ford Explorer for a lot of reasons said, you know, I don't know about the Ford Explorer. It doesn't have a V8 engine in it. I want a V8 engine. But yet the V6 engine in the Ford Explorer is, I think, 365 horsepower, which is a pretty substantial amount of horsepower coming out of that engine and can easily tow, you know, 5,000 pounds. And again, a V8 engine. So, hey, you know, it's really it's really hard to say. So, you know, could you put a high performance engine in as an option? You know, it's it's now it's all about, uh, like Mike said, it's all about turbochargers and superchargers and small engines that are making big horsepower. But they're also big engines that are making big horsepower. Uh, a couple weeks ago, when I was up uh, at the Dedham Retired Men's Club, I did a little slideshow that I put together, the, I think it was the day before, and because I put so much preparation into things. So, but uh, one of the things I showed was a little one-liter engine 
for a little one liter Ford production engine that made, I think it was, uh, it was in, I think it was the one in the Focus. It made 125 horsepower, 130 horsepower. And this little tiny one liter engine that is the engine that was typical in uh, some big motorcycles not that many years ago. So a thousand cc engine only in this case it made a lot of horsepower and a fair amount of torque and got good gas mileage. But right next to that, I showed a slide of the, uh, Dodge Hellcat that made 707 horsepower with a supercharged V8. So big V8 engine, lots of horsepower. Do I like both of them? Yeah, I like both of them a lot. I like the little efficient one, and I like the tire-smoking, crazy, screaming, obnoxious 770 horsepower engine, too. So a lot of good stuff. If you would like to join us, our phone number is 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. Let's talk to Robert. Well, Robert. John, how are you? Good, how are you? Not too bad. I figured I'd join your discussion. Uh, you know, being someone that's going to be 70 this year, I still like, you know, the small and big block eights, you know, whether they're normally aspirated or supercharged. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I personally, I've never owned a 4 or a V6, you know, whether it's turbo or not. My wife has, but not me. You know? Yeah. And I am retired, but, you know, these things get decent mileage, so with the... Yeah, uh, a guy I know bought a called me up one day and he said, "I'm thinking about buying a Chevy pickup truck." He does; he's a he's a carpenter, and he said, "I'm looking at the one with the V6. They say it's got uh, you know good you know good horsepower, good performance, good gas mileage, and I, I and I'm making the number up, so kind of live with my made up number here. And I think he said it was like uh, 260 horsepower or something like that." And he said, what do you think? And I said, well, you know, a V6 engine, it makes decent horsepower. It's probably going to do everything you want. I said, most of the time your truck has nothing more in it than a table saw and a couple saw houses. So what do you want? So he bought it from a Chevy dealer where they had a three-day or five-day no-hassle return. And I saw him one day, and I said to him, how do you like the truck? And he said, I returned it. And I said, how come? He said, well, I took a... Buddy's truck for a ride that had a V8 in it. And he said, you know, there's just nothing like the sound of a V8. Right. Even though performance-wise, from sort of 0 to 60, they were probably almost identical. But he liked, just liked that extra sound of a V8. Yeah, that's the way I am. I mean, 10 cylinder and 12 cylinders, no thanks. Uh, domestic V8s, you know, GM, Ford, Chrysler, whatever. And, yeah, I mean, they idle and have tons of torque. Hmm. You don't have to, you know, run them up at four or five grand like the turbos. And yeah, the yeah, and even even those like last week, I drove the little Ford Focus with the one liter supercharged uh, turbocharged engine in it, and I got to tell you, the torque came up just fine. Now, granted, you know, you were just kind of comparing it to a little tiny three cylinder versus a little tiny four cylinder, right. but um, I'm driving a. Uh, Scion IA, so a little tiny Scion today, which is powered by a one and a half liter engine. So again, a little small engine, but a four cylinder engine. The Ford with the turbocharger didn't take long to spool up at all, and that's part of the EcoBoost idea. Is yeah. it, it it pops up real quick? So, yeah, but you're twin. you're right. You know, is uh, uh, you know, do people like V8 engines? Yeah, yeah, they do. And uh, are they most efficient? Are they light? No, but there there is something about a V8, and I agree with. Mike, when he called in that, you know, should luxury cars have big multi-cylinder engines instead of, you know, small, you know, small engines? You know, I remember joking with the guys from Corvette 
on the show years ago when they were talking about the new Corvette C7 coming out. And I said, oh, is this going to be the new four-cylinder mid-engine model? And they said, oh, no, no, no. You know, will some will Cadillac make a four-cylinder? I mean, will Corvette someday, will there be a version of a Corvette or some sporty car that's a four-cylinder mid-engine Porsche Boxster-style car from GM? It could be, but it's not going to be a Corvette. A Corvette's always going to be a front-engine, rear-drive, big V8. Yeah, look how many times Mustang tried to do that and failed miserably. Yeah, yeah, you know, every, you know, even though the the uh, new Mustang, when it came out, there's a four-cylinder EcoBoost version yep. uh, with even a track package, and it's, uh, I don't, I don't think they sold too many of them. Probably now, the not. V6 Mustang with the... Um, yeah, it's like 300 horsepower. It's 300 horsepower. Yeah. So it's 300 horsepower, and you could, and I don't know if you still can, but you could get it with the GT package. So you got you got the GT package, which got you the wheels, the exhaust, the shifter, the suspension. I would leave the decals off myself. but yeah. um, And then all of a sudden, now you have a car that sounds good, it handles good, it happens to be a V6, so you get a little bit less in insurance costs, and you get 30 miles a gallon out on the highway. Yeah, as long as they leave, have a choice of, you know, yeah. you want eight or you want V6. Well, and, and I still keep saying wherever the future is, and I don't know where the future is, but I still say you're going to go, you know, if you're going to go to the car dealership and you want to buy, you want to buy a new truck and they're going to say, Robert, did you want the, uh, did you want the V6, the V8, the diesel, the hybrid V6, the all electric truck? Or the uh, diesel electric truck, or the, you know, you're going to have, you or, or, you know, wherever the future is. Oh, did you want the one that runs on hydrogen? Right. You know, and it's going to be, all, all the vehicles are going to be the same. You're just going to check off a box and say, and see which one fits your lifestyle, you know. And, and you might say, hey, I don't need the biggest V8 engine or V10 engine or whatever it is. I need an engine that will get me back and forth to work and, and do decent gas mileage. Oh, I only drive around town. I don't drive more than 15 miles or 20 miles a day or maybe even 50 miles a day. And I don't want to burn any gas at all. Is there an electric truck version? Yeah, there is. You know, is there a hybrid plug-in one? Yeah, there is. So, you know, that may be the future. I don't know. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, I'll just say, what's your biggest V8 available in this particular package? And, and that's the one you want, huh? That's the one I want. Uh, there you go. I don't need it. You're right, but I want it. You know? Yeah. Well, you know, you said you said you're going to be 70 this year. Yep. Shouldn't you get what you want? Yeah. I don't know. It depends on my wife. Oh, there you go. All right. <laughs> okay. All right. Be Take it easy. Time. Yep. Bye bye. Six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty. Rick's question of the week says trucks. The difference between work trucks, terminology, semi and straight, stakeside, low boy, all the terminology. Well, a straight job is a like a big box truck. You know, the kind that, uh, you know, if you ordered a mattress from Jordan's Furniture, they show up in a 24-foot long straight box style truck. A semi truck is a tractor-trailer. You know, think of that. So a tractor pulling a trailer. A stakeside truck is an, an open box in the back with, you know, a picket fence around the outside of it. A low-boy trailer is exactly that. It's like a construction trailer truck, something that carries a, a front-end loader or a roller or something like that. Any more terminology, I'm done.
That's about all I know about trucks. Yeah, so. <laughs> but uh, but that's generally it. You know, we'll, t- we'll talk to the uh, union truck guys. They can they can fill us in more. And uh, well, I found out something. There's a there's an uh, an old driving song, and it talks about. I believe it's it's called a Georgia Overdrive. So what is that? That actually means putting the truck in neutral and rolling down a hill. So. <laughs> Why don't we take a break? My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. You're listening on Salem Radio Boston. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program, and we will be right back. Back in 49 and went to Detroit working on assembly line. The first year they had me putting wheels on Cadillacs. Every day I'd watch them beauties roll by and sometimes I'd hang my head and cry. Cause I always wanted me one that was long and black. One day I devised myself a plan that should be the envy of most any man. I'd sneak it out of there in a the lunchbox in my hand. Getting caught meant getting fired, but I figured I'd have it all by the time I retired. I'd have me a car worth at least a hundred grand. I'd get it one piece at a time, and it wouldn't cost me a dime. You'll know it's me when I come through your town. I'm going to ride around in style. I'm going to drive everybody wild, because I'll have the only one there is around. So- WROL Boston. Have you heard? The state of the art in hearing support these days is amazing. There's no reason for anyone to sacrifice quality of life. At the Family Hearing Care Center in Weymouth and East Bridgewater, John Kleffiger offers hearing systems that can be life-changing. Salem Media Boston and John have teamed to offer a pair of hearing aids valued at $5,000 for half price, $2,500. From our discount shopping sites, wezeradio.com and wrolradio.com. Sounds good. If you could choose any school from which to earn your college degree and be on your way to a better life, would you choose a school the Wall Street Journal recognized for producing some of the best qualified graduates, one the Princeton Review ranked as a leader in undergraduate education, and one U.S. News & World Report named number one in the nation for innovation ahead of both MIT and Stanford? Discover why Arizona State University is a clear choice for your future. In addition, ASU Online offers over 100 graduate and undergraduate programs. You can take 100% online and on your schedule. You'll receive the exact same curriculum, degree, and prestigious faculty as our on-campus students. For information, call 1-800-720-2358. U.S. News & World Report also ranked ASU in the top 10 best places to earn an online degree. So get started today and learn to thrive with Arizona State University Online. Call today at 1-800-720-2358. That's 1-800-720-2358. This is Pat Ryan, and as we come up on National Catholic Schools Week, I just want to do a shout-out to all the fine folks that have touched so many of our lives as educators, administrators, groundskeepers, etc., from all the surrounding Catholic schools. I recently saw a bumper sticker that said, if what you do is done with excellence, you are probably in some way touched by a Catholic school education. Congratulations to Catholic schools. And if you know someone that is interested in attending a Catholic school, check out our Half Price Schools listings on our WROLradio.com website. 
We feel so strongly about Catholic school education. We have partnered up with many fine Catholic schools and can offer a one year's tuition for half price at any one of them. For more information, call me, 617-691-2521 or email me at patr at salemradiobostoncom Listening to the Car Doctor. Round, round, get around, I get around, yeah, get around. Back to the Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL or Salem Radio Boston. I'm trying, um, and if people are wondering why I'm saying Salem Radio Boston, here's the inside line for that. Um, on Sunday, on Sunday nights at 9 on 1260 AM on WBIX, you can listen to an hour long version of a past program of the Car Doctor series, I guess. And, um, Marita has a heck of a time editing out the other call letters for the different stations. So, since we are Salem Radio Boston, it's sort of all-encompassing, so that's why. And apparently I was able to do it for the first 30 minutes, and it ended at that. So, yeah, I've been saying it. I've been saying WROL for, um, well, let's see, this will be my ninth or tenth year here. It started at 1150 for a few years until um, that business station went to Radio Luz and became Spanish. And then uh, I ended up on WROL and I've been here for five or six, I think. And then, of course, um, for about 20, I guess 20 in total on the South Shore. And I've been doing radio stuff like this for, this might be closing in on 25 years. I'm almost getting the hang of it. Almost. Almost. Not quite yet. Here, And this is just a headline that caught my attention. There's going to be a new updated Ford Fusion, kind of all freshened up and looking new. And it says, all 2017 Fusions to be built in Mexico. So, that's all I have to say. It's just the, and Which is a great car, great family car. Great American car company, the Ford. Built in Mexico. Can't they build them here? Just my opinion. Let's uh, talk to Paul in Braintree. If you would like to join us, our phone number is 617-770-3030. Hey, Paul. Hi. Good morning, John. Uh, good morning. There's only one problem with that fusion. Um, Donald Trump's going to build a wall around it. I know. How are they going to get him here? I'm <laughs> uh, sorry for the little political humor. Uh, hey, uh, you know, uh, the, I, I am about as unpolitical as you can be. But the one thing I have to say is, uh, you know, Donald Trump did certainly add some uh, interest to people, you know, uh, so so I, I don't know. What, I wonder what kind of car he drives when he's not being driven. You know, it, it's it's funny. I don't I don't know 
if he does and, drive. If he does at all, and he probably doesn't. But I know an interesting thing. His son, um, Donald Jr., when he's not on the Trump jet, he flies uh, regular class commercial, doesn't fly first class. Really? Because he said, you know, he even though his you know father was wealthy, he said it just didn't. It just seemed too wasteful to spend a ridiculous amount of money just to sit in first class. Yeah. Um, so I don't. I don't know how true that is, but that's what he says. And he said, you know, and he and I guess he travels with you know three or four other people, and he's like, what am I going to do? Sit in first class while my coworkers sit in coach. Well, so he sits in coach. But he does like flying on his father's jet. I saw the inside of it. Uh, yeah, on one of these yeah. I don't think yeah, I don't think I'd mind either. No, I, you know, really. I think if you're going to fly, that's the way to do it. Um, I, I opened the today's Boston Globe, and uh, on the uh, page four of the good life section. Yeah, that's a whole that good life section yeah. is a is a whole new section that is. Um, I don't even know where it came from. I know uh, back a couple months ago. Uh, uh, Old time Globe reporter called me up and she said, "I have. They want me to write an automotive story. I've never written about a car in my life. Can you help me?" Mm. And I helped her through one of the stories. But I guess most of it's all coming from Associated Press and Bloomberg, Bloomberg and all that. Net, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, Hannah Elliott. Uh, but there is a outstanding picture of a 1955 Cadillac Coupe de Ville uh, there. And the the story was they the, the 55 was the first one to have the hidden gas pump. Yeah, gas. Uh, yeah, gas. Gas uh, door, yeah. Uh, uh, cover yep. under under the right uh, tail light. Uh, yeah. Not to reveal too much of myself, but my dad had that that exact model that I see in the picture here. Really? Yeah. I wish we had today. <laughs> uh, got it at. Uh, I was a little kid, but I but got it at uh, Peter Fuller, and this one is uh, everything was some some two tones, but this was. Uh, uh, like a cream color with a uh, gray top, and if you see it on the, the only thing that you can tell this has been uh, updated. They have white walls on it, but they were wider white walls than mm. appear in this one. And they go, it's a really interesting article, but the car is just as beautiful today as it was back then. It was on a turntable, the old uh, bit of auto dealer his history. Uh, it, uh, Peter Fuller's uh, Cadillac, or Cadillac, Boston Cadillac, I think it might have been called, was uh, way up on Commonwealth Avenue. That was then the Automobile Row, and it's now a building owned by uh, Boston University. And there is, and probably still is, if the building is uh, still being used, uh, a turntable. Uh, if you face the building on mm -hmm. the left, there's a turntable, and, and this particular model was on the turntable, and it would, you know, you could see all sides of it from, from the street. But uh, beautifully designed car. I, I assume it had an eight-cylinder engine. Oh, yeah. Back in '55, yeah, but you can go. And this takes today's technology got its uh, start in the classic cars of the past, and they go through um, a 16-cylinder engine with a 31 Cadillac push-button ignition in the 1914 Ford Model T, automatic rain sensors that were in the uh, uh, 1951 mm. uh, Cadillac Eldorado Baritzka. It's really uh, a nice capsulized history of some of the innovations in uh, in some classic automobiles, but just beautiful cars. Yeah, here. some of those had some of those were uh, uh, dual carburetor engines, so they had two either two four barrels or two two barrel carburetors, and uh, they they were uh, 
they were stunning cars, great big cars, and uh, you know, were they the most powerful car on earth? Were they? No, they were probably two hundred and fifty horsepower or something. Mm-hmm. So you know, something that uh, you know what might be a good. You know, a, a high-performance four-cylinder engine could make, but it was all about torque. It was, you know, it could have been a one-speed transmission for all it was worth because yeah. it just had this torque, and you know, and it truly was, uh, you know, sort of like driving your living room. I had only driven, I think, I had driven one or two. And Peter Fuller is an interesting guy because I think, as I remember, he's the guy who started, and it seems, you know, it seems almost appropriate. But he's the guy who started, I believe, the. Uh, George Washington car sale. Well, I think it actually was his father. His Alvin, father, yeah. Alvin T. Fuller. Yep. Uh, something like that. Yeah. No. Some, so a report, useless information. Yeah, a reporter called me the other day and said, so what's the deal on President's Day car sales? And I said, uh, nobody wants to buy a car in February, so somebody decided to come up with an idea. They're, you know, go, go buy a car. You know, why yeah. don't bring people in the showrooms when there's nothing around and make a big deal out of it? And, I, and I, yeah, and I think it was, was it Fuller Cadillac? Is that right? Yeah, it was Fuller yeah. Full of Cadillac. Yep. I mean, you, you go down Commonwealth Avenue, and uh, not only were there all car dealers there, one of the very first auto shows used to be held at the uh, uh, National Guard Armory, which mm-hmm. I think they've torn yep. down since, um, right across from one of the dealerships. But you could walk down, there was Connolly Buick, there was, uh, you name all the cars, yep. Yep. Pontiac, um, you know, we just yep. could walk yep. a mile and, and uh, the, the original auto mile like you see in yep. Norwood now. Yep. But, uh, and, uh, and it's funny, though. We're starting to see, you know, places where, uh, you know, car dealerships are popping up all over the place. Uh, down in uh, down in Rockland, where the old AAA office used to be, behind it is the big BMW mini dealer. And now um, the folks from Prime are building a... Hyundai dealer, I think, right next door to it. So it's all of a sudden now that little section of um, of uh, Hingham Street is going to be a, a Hyundai dealer, it's a BMW Mini dealer, it's a Porsche dealer, it's an Audi dealer, it's uh, uh, I think uh, still a Volvo dealer down there. You take a left and you go the other way and you run into Chambers' new Lexus dealer right. down in Hingham. All of a sudden there's, there's all these little hubs of car dealerships popping Mul- up all over the place. Multi-million dollar mile. Uh, one thing, you, you, I don't know if I, I went by it last night, if you go to Derby Street and uh, there used to be a bakery in there right to the immediate right of the uh, uh, rustic um, uh, cafe restaurant. Yep. Uh, Tesla is opening an office. Oh, okay. And it says Tesla. I mean, it's not a deal. You, yeah. you know, the, yeah. there's not enough room there to put yep. a car. But I guess you buy it directly from them. From them. And, uh, so, yeah, because Tesla opened up uh, an actual dealership on Route 1. And I still don't know quite what's going on there because technically they still can't sell cars directly there. The same thing when you bought a Tesla from the Natick Collection or Natick Mall or whatever that's called up there these days. Um, the car actually got delivered out of New York or New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And I, so the dealership, I assume, is doing the same thing. And it's interesting if they're putting in a store down there or someplace where you can, you know, maybe they, you know, have one or two cars. And, and that new Tesla, that under $40,000 Tesla, you know, if it's uh, if it does what it says it's supposed to do, go a couple hundred miles and be under forty thousand, or maybe close to thirty thousand by the time you do the you know government incentives and all of that. And Chevy's coming out with the Bolt, which is similar in range and performance for a little bit less money. You know, maybe these electric cars are going to catch on after all. Maybe one, one final question, and I'll let you go. Um, I was watching the Barrett Jackson auction, which uh, I 
was on tape, but uh, from, I think, Arizona yesterday. Yep. And it's really fun to watch. Um, but however they produce it, when there's, there was a 1951 Packard convertible in red, and they just kind of, any, any car that's, that's not almost a hot rod, they just mm-hmm. kind of skip by it. Um, they don't give you, they don't, they don't give it much, uh, uh, much attention. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but if there is a, um, I don't know, there was some sort of Dodge that had the, that had the, um, the, uh, engine, uh, hood like on, on stilts. Oh yeah. And I, they, they spent 20 minutes on that mm. one, <clears throat> but anyone that really a beautiful classic car that I think most viewers would like to see, they just whiz by it. Is there yeah. 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 Because, um, it probably has more to do with the more TV time it gets, the higher price it gets. Uh-huh. And which is why these, these it used to be the Barrett-Jackson auctions and others would, you know, run some of the highlights. But they found that whenever the cameras were on, the prices went up. And I think for cars that have maybe a different type of appeal and they get some of the, you know, um, phone bidders and Internet bidders, I think the more time they spend sometimes... Uh, they can they can do a little bit more. You're, you're right. I would you know I would like to see you know the 55 Cadillac Coupe de Ville yeah. as much as I w- would. And believe me, I like 68 69 Camaros as much as the next person. But right. I would I want to see them both. And you know that's one of the reasons. I remember uh, sometime back um, I had Keith Jackson on the show and asked him about. Is it my imagination, or when the cameras are on, do the prices go up? And he's like, "That's why we do it all. That's why we have the cameras on all the time." And I said, "I, I don't quite understand why." And he said, "To some extent, rich people want to show off for their rich friends." Uh, sure. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. yeah. I was I was watching a show the other night. It was uh, my strange inheritance, and I don't know if you've ever seen that one. No, but it's. Sure. Uh, but it was. Um, it was all about a guy who inherited his father's collection of orphan cars, and that was the uh, that was the folks we had on about two months ago who had all these. Uh, his father collected all these sort of oddball cars, and when his father died, the family was trying to figure out who gets them, how they split them up, where the auctions going, and uh, oh, you know, I was sitting there and, I, and it's it's weird stuff. It's like you know somebody in, somebody inherits a carnival or you know weird things like that. But it's like oh, inherited orphan cars, and all of a sudden the name popped up. And I'm like, wait, that's the guy I had on my radio show. So yeah, so it was, well, it was actually kind of fun to see that too. So well, better to be seen buying an expensive car than I don't know, win a lot of money and you decide to run for president. Or something. I guess, I guess. <laughs> I'll tie that one up and I'll go. Thank all you right, very, all well, right. Thank take you very care. much for the uh, uh, auto, um, uh, the auto show tickets. It was uh, it was a great show this year. Really oh, enjoyed it. Thank you. Well, good. Take care. Bye bye now. Bye bye. Speaking of tickets, if you won tickets last week to the Providence Auto Show, which is taking place this weekend, hopefully you got them. I put them in the mail first thing Monday morning. Um, hopefully you got them. That's all I know. Um, it's uh, I put everything in the mail I was supposed to. So why don't we take a break? When we come back, we're going to play a little bit of trivia and do a car review of the latest Scion, which is the IA. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program, your second opinion auto repair program. If you think if you have a uh, problem with your car and you'd like a second opinion, give us a call 617-770-3030. WROL Boston. 
Now at Sullivan Tire and Auto Service through January 31st, get up to a $70 mail-in rebate when you buy any four BF Goodrich tires in stock. We have quality BF Goodrich tires for whatever you drive, like the BF Goodrich All-Terrain TAKO2 or the Advantage TA. All at great prices and all in stock at Sullivan Tire. And at Sullivan Tire and Auto Service, we'll keep your car running right all winter. Stop in for our thorough factory-scheduled maintenance check. Our ASC-certified technicians will check out your battery and charging system, radiator antifreeze, inspect your tires and air pressure, brakes, all system fluids, steering and suspension, belts, hoses, the exhaust system, exterior lights, wiper blades, and more. Don't miss your chance to drive home on a new set of quality BF Goodrich tires and save up to $70 by mail-in rebate, now through January 31st. Sullivan Tire, your BF Goodrich headquarters. This is a dealer-funded promotion. See SullivanTire.com or visit a Sullivan Tire location for complete details. Have you heard? The state of the art in hearing support these days is amazing. There's no reason for anyone to sacrifice quality of life. At the Family Hearing Care Center in Weymouth and East Bridgewater, John Kleffiger offers hearing systems that can be life-changing. Salem Media Boston and John have teamed to offer a pair of hearing aids valued at $5,000 for half price, $2,500. From our discount shopping sites, wezeradio.com and wrolradio.com. Sounds good. New York Times best-selling author Eric Metaxas has come to the spirit of Boston. Kind of get serious. We need leaders with courage. <laughs> Absolutely fascinating. God is going to judge us. We have to share those stories with each other. You know this is right. Dennis Prager calls him one of the most interesting and insightful thinkers in the United States. He's intelligent and good-looking. Oh, yeah, he's that, too. The Eric Metaxas Show. I got you. Weekday afternoons at 2 on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. Wow. <laughs> Now, let's get back to the car doctor. Doctor program on Salem Radio Boston. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor program. If you've never heard it before, what do you do on the Car Doctor program? You call in with your car questions, looking for car advice. Maybe you're thinking about buying a car, maybe even selling a car. We might be able to even help you with that. Our phone number is 617-770-3030. 617-770-3030. And our trivia question is, and we might have to we might have to fill in the blanks a little at some point. But what kind of car did Benjamin Braddock drive? What kind of car did Benjamin Braddock drive? If you know the answer to that, give us a call at 617-770-3030. 617-770-3030. And we will put a nice little prize in a package for you and send it out to you. But now you gotta go look up Benjamin Braddock, do a little bit of work. 
Let's talk about the car that got me here today, which is the latest Scion, the IA. It's a new compact four-door sedan with a bargain basement price of $15,700. The IA is powered by a 1.5-liter engine that can be paired with a six-speed manual or automatic transmission. The pricing is for a mono-spec, their words, model equipped with a standard low-speed pre-collision safety system. So, in other words, it can slow you down and stop you if you're not paying attention. Push-button start in a 7-inch multimedia system with voice recognition. What's interesting about the Scion is that much of its mechanicals and engineering actually come from Mazda. The interior of the IA is actually quite spacious for a subcompact car. There's plenty of head and leg room. The front seats are a bit narrow but reasonably supportive. There's a tilt and telescoping steering wheel that uh, allows for comfortable driving position. The interior is hardly plush, but lacks the hard plastic interior finish that was standard on economy cars just a few years ago. The instrument panel has large, clear gauges and easy-to-use controls. The climate control system uses large knobs and works quickly and efficiently. The infotainment system uses a 7-inch display mounted on top of the dash. So envision taking a 7-inch tablet and kind of sticking it to the top of the dash. That's kind of what it looks like. Um, the system is operated by a center control uh, knob mounted on the console. At least for me, I found the system a bit awkward to use and a little too distracting while driving. Maybe there's a bit of a learning curve. Uh, I've been only driving the car for a few days, but I found it just, I don't know, you, you know, and I switch, you know, some people, well, let's take a poll. Marita, do you listen to more than one station, or are you kind of stuck on, when you're in your car, do you sort of just stick to one station? Um, well, maybe I'm a little bit different because, like, working here, I'll check yeah. in with different stations. But oh, for the most part, like, listening-wise, yeah. just entertainment-wise, I guess I'd probably stick to one station. Yeah. 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 See, I, I bounce all over the place, and I listen to, I have, um, you know, I listen, to, I listen to AM, I listen to FM, I listen to... Music stations, I listen to NPR, I listen back to news on AM, I listen to uh, morning talk, I listen to all kinds of stuff. So I'm always changing the radio station, and to have to go in and put your hand down on the center console, find the rotary knob, hit the button, hit the home button, look up at the dash, now look up at the tablet to click back and forth between AM and FM, go over to either the presets or scroll around... I just want to go and hit a button. It just seems hard for me. But maybe I'm just not young enough for this car. <laughs> so at least for me, I found the system a bit awkward. So the infotainment system also incorporated, incorporates Bluetooth and the latest smartphone apps such as Stitcher, Pandora, and AHA. Uh, navigation is a dealer-installed option. It has a button that says Nav, and you hit it, and it says basically says, Sorry. You don't have navigation. It does have a compass, though. So I thought that was I thought that was actually a little bit funny. Uh, safety is addressed with the low-speed uh, pre-collision safety system, driver and side driver and uh, driver and side front airbags, as well as front and side air curtains. So lots of airbags in this car. At six feet tall, I found the rear seating area cramped with limited head and leg room. So if I was sitting in the front seat, I probably wouldn't be sitting in the back seat and be very comfortable. It does, in theory, claim to seat five. They have to be five small people. 
Uh, the trunk is actually good size for a small car. has a large opening and fairly flat floor. Performance uh, from the 1.5-liter four-cylinder 106-horsepower engine is about average for a subcompact. Our test car had the six-speed manual transmission that is actually pretty nicely uh, matched to the performance of the engine. The clutch and uh, shifter are easy to use. Uh, even a novice driver, I think, would find it pretty easy to drive this car. There's also a shift indicator. that tells you what gear you are in and what gear to shift into, which is handy for people that maybe aren't quite sure. Although no one could call the uh, Scion IA a sports sedan, it can still be fun to drive. There's a bit of a raspy, sporty tone from the exhaust during spirited driving. So, you know, it does feel a little fun to drive. The overall handling is quite nimble, and the ride is a little firm without being choppy. But, you know, but I think that's what makes it actually handle pretty well. The steering's quick, but uh, needs a little constant correction out on the highway, especially on a really breezy day. Wednesday, it was... Uh, Pretty strong winds, and I found myself correcting a lot. The cabin can get a bit buzzy at highway speeds. The brakes are firm, but stopping distance appeared a bit longer than expected. Um, I didn't measure the stopping distances. Uh, it's pretty hard to do on these kind of sandy, wet roads, but um, it felt a little bit longer. Not horrible, but just a little longer. Um, Fuel economy is rated by the EPA at 31 miles per gallon in the city, 41 miles per gallon on the highway. Again, kind of approaching... Uh, uh, hybrid-type fuel economy. Um, I averaged um, pretty pretty good, good mileage. I think I was uh, 36 miles per gallon overall, uh, city and highway. And on straight highway driving, I think it was over 42. So, I, you know, on, and that was, I think, on a, a run of, you know, 50 or 60 miles, 70 miles maybe, mostly highway driving. It was up around 42. The bottom line is the Scion IA delivers great fuel economy, nimble handling, and a firm but reasonable ride. If you can live with the limited rear seat room, the Scion IA is certainly worth a look. The facts, it seats five small people. It uses regular gas. 31 miles per gallon in the city, 41 miles per gallon on the highway. If you bought this car, the EPA says you'll spend $1,300 in gas for the year. It hasn't been crash tested yet. The base price was $15,700. The as-tested price all in with no options, basically, but delivery charges and all that sort of stuff, uh, $16,470. It does have a spare tire. It's a temporary spare, but it does have one. And if you were shopping it against other cars, you would look at maybe the Chevy Sonic, the Ford Fiesta, Kia Rio, things like that. Okay, so my trivia question was awful, apparently. <laughs> and it's still out there. What kind of car did Benjamin Braddock drive? So we'll do, we'll do a second trivia question. See if you know the answer to this. And, um... We have some good stuff to give away, I think, too. Some car care products and so forth. What was the longest hood in production car history? What was the longest hood in production car history? What was the year, make, and model of car? The longest hood in production car history. I didn't know the answer to this. I thought it was something else. But if you know, give us a call at 617 617- 770-3030. So I was reading about this new Buick uh, Caseta, I guess is how you pronounce it. They did a, uh, they did a uh, preview that I wasn't invited to. I have to start accepting these invitations because this one was in Key West, Florida. Buick is bucking up uh, uh, 
Bucky, an industry trend with the Crusader, a new corner in the affordable family ragtag segment that has all but disappeared. The latest midsize convertible was neither a sports car nor a luxury car and sold in respectable volume uh, was a Chrysler Sebring. He was right, the 200 drop top, something like that. Uh, they're not making them now. They sold about 7,600 of them. That was the last sort of midsize convertible that... Uh, and I don't know, is it C-A-S-C-A-D-A? Caseda? It's a large compact that's uh, one of only four-seat non-luxury convertibles. Uh, Buick's first convertible since the 1991 Riata, a version of the Opel uh, Caseda introduced in 2013. It's designed from the start as a convertible on General Motors' uh, global Delta platform. It arrives at dealerships next month, starting at $33,900, including shipping. Buick officials believe it will fit the void left by the Sebring 200, as well as expand the Buick's appeal beyond its traditional Midwest boundaries. Well, we had the folks on from GM a couple weeks ago during the Detroit Auto Show. Uh, Everybody liked it. Everybody thought this was the hottest car in in Detroit. Convertible buyers tend to be very loyal, but a lot of the competition has vacated the market. So... uh, They won't say how many they're going to sell. The closest competitor in price may be the smaller Volkswagen Eos, which starts at $32,860, and that's actually going away. The Audi A3 convertible starts about $3,000 more. The Lexus ISC starts at about $10,000 more. In 2013, Volkswagen only sold about 3,000 Eos convertibles, and Audi only sold about 3,800. The premium Caseta is priced at $36,990. It includes um, electric safety features, 20-inch wheels. There's no other options or models. During the Meteor event, Buick officials predicted that 50% of the expected sale volume will come from five states. California, Texas, New York, and New Jersey. wonder why. California, it's California, so maybe. Texas... Florida, everybody says it's too hot to drive a convertible. I go to I go to Florida on the rare occasion I go to Florida. Every time I see a convertible, the tops are up. Because everybody says it's too hot. And I usually go to Florida when it's a little bit cooler, except for one guy who's, strangely enough, his father used to work at Peter Fuller, who we were talking about earlier. Um, and he was driving, he was a friend of a friend of a friend. And I met him down in Florida, and he was driving a convertible, and it started to rain, and he didn't care. <laughs> he said, I'm in Florida, and he lives there. He's like, I'm in Florida. I love convertibles. You know what? If it gets a little wet, it stops raining, it dries right out. It's not that big a deal for me, and I have more than one, so it's okay. But um, so, but he was the only one I saw with the top down, it seemed like. And New Jersey, I have no idea. I, I would think Massachusetts would, as many people in Massachusetts would want convertibles as New Jersey. But, you know, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, the chief engineer, Al Manzor, said Buick's version of this car underwent significant changes, including re-engineering more than 600 parts over the Opal. Uh, Buick officials say they expect to earn a five-star crash test rating, which would be... Uh, Unusual for a low-production model convertible. Uh, Both models uh, are built in Poland, strangely enough. 
or strange to me. I don't know, maybe not to everybody else. It's powered by a turbocharged 1.6-liter four-cylinder engine, made it to a six-speed automatic transmission. Uh, they say the new Ecotech power plant have variable valve tri- timing, direct fuel injection. It's rated about 200 horsepower, 207 pound-feet of torque or foot-pounds of torque, depending on which camp you're in. During a drive from Key West to downtown Miami, about 175 miles, the writer here says it demonstrated fuel economy in the high 20s, despite the car's fairly hefty curb weight of 3,979 pounds. Technical features include a one-touch convertible top that automatically raises and lowers in 17 seconds at speeds of up to 31 miles an hour. Uh, also, Buick's hyper strut front strut assembly and improvement over the classic McPherson de- design reduces torque steer and unwanted feedback from the road. It's a pretty good looking car. It does look a little like the EOS, though, a little higher, a little higher in the back, but really nice looking car. Let's see. Trivia is we have two trivia questions going. You only have one shot at one question each, I guess. So the two trivia questions are, what kind of car did Benjamin Braddock drive? And you have to tell us, well, you don't have to tell us what movie it is, but you can. And uh, the longest hood in production car history. Let's go to line one. Let's go to Tim. Tim, which question did you want? Uh, I wanted to do the Benjamin Braddock, and now uh, that you mention it again, and I, you know, I'm not computer literate, but I thought that was from Highway Patrol. Was that the was that the car you were talking about? That was not. Ah, that was oh, not, but good. I thought it was the Dodge uh, Police Interceptor. But that would have been a good guess. That would have yeah. been a good guess, but no, yeah. I'm sorry it yeah. wasn't. No, I know. And it's Benjamin Braddock. I know the Kung Fu guy there. <laughs> <laughs> well, the memory bank's not working. But All yeah, right. I thought I'd give it a try. All right. Well, good Well, good try. You just you didn't quite have it, though. I appreciate it. All right. It. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks. Yep, bye. Let's go over to line three to John. Good morning, John. Hi, good morning, John. Yes, I hope I have the answer correct. Okay, is this the Benjamin Braddock one or the Longest Hood one? Well, the Longest Hood because I don't know who Benjamin Braddock is. All I'm right. First, who's Benjamin Braddock? I never heard of him before, and I'm not so newcomer. And, and when you hear of him, you go, oh, yeah. But yeah. go ahead, Longest Hood. I think it has to be the Mach 5. Uh, no. No? No. But good try, though. Hey, I wanted to tell you a story. Back in the late 70s, there was a... A Lincoln Mercury dealer over in Memphis. Okay. And I was in there, and uh, next thing you know, one salesman with another salesman, it was like the World Fight Federation. He had him on the hood, and they were just uh, going at it. I don't know what happened, but and the sales manager come on, hey, 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 this is a place of business. You both going home. I'll never forget that. <laughs> that just two salesmen stretched well, out the hood of a Mark Five. Well, you know, it, it's. Uh... You know, sometimes, and you know, you know, there there are really good car salespeople, and they work really hard. And the really good ones, you know, know what your birthday is, and they send your birthday card, and they want your business back. But there's um, there's a, a a couple of comedians that do sort of a pranking comedy thing called the Jerky Boys. Is that right, Marita? Jerky Boys. Do you know who they are? You don't know, but they. Uh, one of the guys calls up a car dealership, and he says, hey, I understand you're looking for help. And the guy who answers the phone, who's a real person, answers the phone and says, yeah, we're looking for help. And he says, hey, I can sell anything. You know, they don't want to buy it. I just slam them up against the hood. You know, I get them to buy whatever you got on sale. I can sell you. I can sell anything. And the guy says, hey, we don't run that kind of business. He says, I can come in. I can, I can get you guys to sell anything. Then the guy goes, why don't you come in? So 
You know, I, unfortunately, there's some there's some bad people out there. But most car dealerships, you know, the the ones that I go, the ones that I've been into, um, uh, you know, when I bought my wife's uh, Volkswagen uh, this year, we went up to little Volkswagen dealer in Brockton, Paul Clark Volkswagen. Paul Paul the owner was there. The sales guys were there. They're all they're all nice people to deal with. When we bought our uh, used cars seven years ago from S and E Auto Sales, Kevin the guy at S and E Auto Sales, um, who I think has since retired, just good good people over there. I, you know, there's there's some great people out there that do a nice job. So, uh, but but anyway, you're, yeah, see two guys uh, yeah, fighting on the hood of a Mark Mark uh, Mark Five. That's kind of funny. Big long hood. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. Home. That was it. Hey, uh, you know, I was wondering if you could do a review on the Mitsubishi Mead car sometime. On, 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 on what, the Mirage? No, the Mitsubishi Mead. That's the only car that wasn't oh. at the auto show. Oh, the, the M-I-E, yeah, the Maev, oh, whatever it is, yeah. Mitsubishi electric car. I've never yeah. seen any on the streets. I've never seen any, only at the dealership or at the auto show last year. Yeah. And only in Vermont last May, I seen one going Yeah, on. I saw one in downtown Boston during the summertime. Um, I'm going to have to, I think there's one actually in our press fleet, so I'm going to have to see if I can get a hold of it. Because that's going to be a collector's item. There's so few of them around. It's 100% electric. Yeah. It looks like a Volkswagen Beetle with four doors. Yeah, it's a it's a it's an odd looking little car. Uh, I know I had uh, I was looking at something for work one day, and AAA uh, AAA National does this green car guide, and I've participated in it a little bit. And somebody wrote into me and said, "Why didn't you guys review the uh, Mitsubishi electric car? Uh, because I own one, and it's one of the greatest cars out there." And um, I don't know if it is or it isn't, but we'll we'll have to we'll I'll see if I can I'll see if I re- I can request it and see if I can uh, spend a little time in it. Well, I think any electric cars are great. I think we, I'm hoping we get away from gasoline cars for the long run. I know there's a party going on with dollar ninety nine gas, but I don't think the party's going to last. Yeah, well, you know, it, it, the last time gasoline went this low was, uh, and, and I'm, I'm not a I'm not a, a conspiracy theorist. Last time gasoline went this low, there was an election. Yeah, it was eight yeah. years ago. Well, in the 1990s, I remember. Yeah. Yes. And the guys that they yep. complain they need eight cylinders, Tesla zero to sixty in about three seconds. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, in fact, uh, old buddy of ours, uh, Ezra Dyer, who's the uh, auto, uh, who's the auto editor for Popular Mechanics, brought a Tesla to a drag strip down in North Carolina where he lives, and he took on twelve competitors and beat eleven. I was in a Tesla. Guy took me for a ride. He had five people in the car, and we felt like we wanted to ride at the you know roller coaster. Oh yeah, no, it's a, it's an incredible car. The new all-wheel drive one is incredible, and when you get it with the high-performance motors in it, with the you know with the, what they call the ludicrous mode, which is zero to sixty, and I, I don't know, it's about three seconds. Yeah. It's a, you know from from zero to sixty, it's the fastest car on the road. It's faster than the seven hundred horsepower um, uh, Dodge Hellcat. Now, on a quarter of a mile, a little bit different. It starts to run out of wind after the first eighth of a mile or so. But still, it's a really fast car. Well, yeah, he took us for a ride, and he had to use the brakes. Tesla, you don't have to use the brakes. You just take the electric accelerator and slow yourself down. Yeah. No, they're 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 interesting. They're interesting cars. I I haven't I haven't driven one enough, but uh, soon soon well, I will. Boston, I showed those the uh, BMW i3 and the yep. Volkswagen e Golf, and that's what Volkswagen should be doing promoting its electric cars to show it can make great products. So yeah, that was the downside. No, interesting uh, about the the BMW i3. It's from zero from uh, zero to eight hundred feet. It's the fastest BMW they make. Yeah, electric are a lot of fun to drive. Yeah. people aren't missing. 
no more timing belts, no more oil changes, no more emissions testing. You know. Yeah, no, it's they they have they have an interesting place, and who knows, you know, it, it might take uh, you know it might take the year you know twenty twenty five or something before everybody has one or everybody. But you, you, know, but, you don't see you don't see any of the manufacturers promoting them, saying, "Hey, go yeah, look, you got one yeah. TV, radio, or any media ads on electric at all." Yeah, and, even even if you look at hybrids, uh, you know, when was the last time you saw a Chevy Volt commercial? Not much. Yeah, considering considering they had that. They had the Chevy Volt in the Super Bowl five years before it came out, you know. So and then they stopped promoting it. So I don't know. Well, you know, there is also electric motorcycles too. Yeah, California Zero Motorcycles Company dot yep. com, Brown yep. Inertia. Yeah, there was a there was a company down in New Bedford or Fall That's River. I took there. Electric. It kind of looked like a BMW motorcycle, and it was electric. I think they went out of business though. So. I was here the day of the uh, two days of the auction to see what happened. I guess one guy from Europe outbid everybody. I don't oh. know what became of it. Hmm. You know, with interest in buying the whole company. Wow. And I hope something comes of it. Yeah. So you can get an electric motorcycle. Uh, you know, you can get it from Holly, but you can get it from Zero or Bramo Inertia or Current Motors in Michigan. Yeah. No. No, the, uh, that that Harley one, you know, Harley decided that, you know, they were going to try to build it as an experiment, and it actually got a lot of press, so they might actually build it. Oh, you know what there is? You could buy, say, uh, there's a company, uh, DeBasi Scooters in Italy, Italian-made. It's a folding adult electric motorbike in a bag. Well, you can commute it to work. You don't have to talk or anything like that and bring it in your office. Yeah. So the Blasi, it's about $3,000. Yeah. It's not cheap. It's how you made, but it folds down. Tom Carson's a luggage bag. Uh, I'll put, I, I, maybe I can put it in an overhead on an airplane. Hey, thanks yeah, for the yeah. call. Okay, thanks. All right, take care. Thanks. Bye-bye now. So we still have people guessing for trivia here. I think we're going to line one. Let's talk to Steve. Steve? Hi, good morning, John. How are you? Good, how are you? Very good, thank you. So you have a guess for trivia, do you? Yes, sir. I'm guessing on the longest hood production vehicle. Yes. I would say it would be 1968, the Lincoln Continental Mark II or III. Not not according to Carfax.com. So I... I I had my own guess, and I'll tell you what my own guess I thought was going to be the Chevy Monte Carlo, but really? I I wasn't right either. Well, I tried. All right, you did. Thanks okay. for the try. All right, okay, take care. Bye bye now. Bye. So we have trivia questions still out there, and of course, if you want to call with a question about your car, but our two trivia questions are: um, What kind of car did Benjamin Braddock drive? And the other trivia question, the longest hood in production car history. So, you know, that rules out things like Duesenbergs that really weren't production cars. And uh, give you a little hint. I'll give you a, a year window. It was, it was in the 60s. So it was in the 60s. Let's go to line two to Tom. Tom? Hi. Yeah, hi, John. Hey, how are uh, you? Very good. My question is, it looks like handheld phones are going to be banned eventually. Do you think so? It sounds like you're talking on one. <laughs> yes, I am. But in, you know, driving. So what do we have for options for people that do not have, like, factory Bluetooth? What What's out there for people, you know, to use? Well, there's, you know, the old-fashioned way, which is still a, uh, you know, a wired, you know, earphone and little microphone that you can buy for, you know, under $10. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can... Uh, you can buy a little thing, and they're so inexpensive now, they're giving them away. A little thing that holds your phone uh, sort of in a holder, and the holder sits into your uh, dash vent. 
So what happens is it holds it in the dash vent on an angle, and then if you get a phone call, you can just hit the button on the phone and put it into speakerphone mode, and then, you know, you can have a pretty reasonable conversation if you need to that way. Okay, so there are some options out yeah, there. Yeah, um, you know, it's the holding of the phone that is the issue. I was down in um, at the Dennis Police Department this week doing a talk, and, uh, and um, someone asked the exact same question. They're like, well... You know, what do you do if you don't have a new car with all this stuff in it? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I said one of the reasons why this is being pushed is because the police know that texting is unsafe. And people who text and drive just aren't paying attention to driving. And But when somebody has a phone in their hand, and even though they obviously look like they're texting, then it just becomes, you know, he said, he said, he said, she said. You know, and it's just sort of like, well, I wasn't texting. I was dialing a phone number. Oh, I see. Yeah. So for the police, it'll eliminate that. Yeah, it eliminates that. And the other part of it is, like a lot of laws, you know, you you sound like a a law-abiding guy. So if you abide by the rules and it says you're not supposed to use a handheld phone while you drive, you're probably not going to. So then it just kind of makes everybody a little bit safer. The reality of it is when you're talking on your phone, whether it's handheld, whether you're holding it, you know, up against your ear, whether it's coming through the speakers on your radio or, you know, coming or mounted on the dash, you're still not paying attention as much as you should. And you really shouldn't. You know, what we've found is even with some of these voice technology systems. So if you said to your phone, uh, hey, dial the car doctor. For about 25 seconds afterwards, you're still waiting for something to happen, which means you're not paying attention to driving. Right. Yeah, so... No matter what. Yeah. Your mind still is not there. Right. No, you're... And the difference between doing that and talking to somebody in the car, in the car, there's somebody else kind of half paying attention to the road. Right. Yeah, so you're not paying attention, they're not paying attention, but both of you are sort of paying a little bit of attention. That's where it helps. Think you'll ever see the day when they'll ban it totally? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think yeah. too many people, um, you know, technology's there. You know, it You know, it was the same thing way back when, um, you know, b- back in the 40s, there was a law that was actually proposed to ban radios in cars because people would be spending too much time listening to the radio. Right, right. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. All oh, right. Okay. Good luck. Thank All you, right. Sir. Good luck. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 617 770 Uh Line one, I think. Richard. Richard? Hey, listen. Uh, first of all, the guy that called in a while ago about the Tesla dealership. Yep. Tell him that White's moved to another part of that uh, Derby shop area. Uh, oh, they did? Okay. Yeah, so, the so, so, so you can still get good cakes and cookies? You can. Well, okay, you can good. Go to too. They got the big one over there, but that's another. Yeah. Bit of a ride for, yeah. for those who are closer to him. Uh, I had a question. Uh, Junior D'Amato wrote a column a couple of weeks ago, uh, and he was asking, he said about white windshield wiper fluid. Yep. Said, Don't use the blue stuff, use orange or uh, whatever the other color was. Is there a difference? I mean, I'm just using the blue because that's what you buy at Walmart or anywhere else you go. The only difference, you got to just look more carefully at the blue stuff when you buy it. Because sometimes you get some of the blue stuff is um, it doesn't it only protects to about uh, 20, 20 above zero. 
So okay. you have to be careful. It might freeze in really cold weather. Where really? the orange stuff, where the orange stuff, uh, and the orange stuff has got, the orange stuff has, um, uh, some of it has, some of it's Rain-X brand, and it has a little bit of water repellent built into it, too, which just makes it a little bit better. I've been using blue stuff forever, you know, and but one day I was at, I don't know, Christmas Tree Shop or Job Lot or one of those discount places, and I picked up a jug of blue windshield washer, and I said, oh, this is a good deal. It's $1.49, and I looked at it, and it... It, you know, it'd be fine for the summertime, but it wouldn't be something you'd want to use in the winter. So you got to watch out for that. It's all just soap, alcohol, and water. So, uh, no, I understand yep. that. I've had people say use vinegar instead. No, no, you know, yeah, vinegar won't freeze quite as quick, but it, to me, it makes more sense. You know, use, you know, it. Just you can use blue windshield washer. Just make sure if you use blue win windshield washer, it says you know protects to uh, you know thirty below zero or something because you don't want it to freeze up in the winter time because it could break the windshield washer pump. Now uh, that that and the fact that you know this is the time of year like this past week when the snow is melting, yeah, you really need the windshield washer. Yeah. Yeah, you do, and and you got to watch out too because um, some people get out there and they hit the windshield washer and it knocks that morning frost off the window. And then they drive down the road and they hit it again and it freezes right away. So you got to be a little careful with that too. I'll, I'll keep that in mind. All right. All right. Thanks. Take care now. Bye bye. We'll have to have Junior on the show again. We haven't had him on for a while. Everybody likes having Junior on the show, and uh, he's a good guy. We he's a he's a guy that sort of talked me into doing this sort of stuff. Let's see, where are we going? We go to line three to Rich. Richard? Good morning, John. How are you? I'm doing great. Saturday. Yeah. Thumbs out, no complaints. I thought I'd take a guess at your, your trivia question. Longest Hood or, or, or Benjamin Brown? I'm going to try the longest hood. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go for a 68 El Dorado. You're close, but no cigar. No cigar. All right. Good well, try, though. Okay. And, uh, one other comment sure. before I let you go. I yep. just want to vote for the guys who were talking about the VH earlier. Tough to beat. Yeah, you know, there's, uh, uh, and I'm trying to think what is, there's no replacement for displacement, displacement. or is that, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you know, and I got to tell you, to me, when I look under, when I look under the hood of a, especially if it's, you know, a hot rod or something, you look under the hood and you actually see an engine rather than, you know, there's some very impressive new cars out there, but when you look under the hood and all there is is a big plastic cover. I have one. Yeah, it's not that, it's not that much fun to look at. I can't see anything there except for the plastic cover. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but the OVH, I have a couple of it, and they're great because they run forever for one thing. Yep. They don't, you know, they don't high RPM. Yep. And a lot to talk, which you really feel at the, at the lights, which is yep. nice to feel. No, so. no, it's, uh, it, it, it is it is fun, and there is, uh, you know, when, when people say, oh, you, you know, the V6 can do, and they can't, and the V6 in a lot of cases are faster than some of these V8s, but yep. there is some, there's something, and maybe it's just, you know, maybe it's just an old-timey American thing that we like our big V8s, and I'm, I'm in that category. Well, it can't beat the sound. it got the Flowmaster and Corsair and stuff like that. It's just... Uh, it's another experience, I think. Yeah, yeah, you're right. When you uh, when you when you have the right exhaust on, and I still there was a little there was a little hot rod shop near me for a while, and he went out of business, but he had an old time cherry bomb display on out, hanging on his wall, and it and the, and under it, and it made me laugh every time I went by it, and under it it said disturbing the peace since 1952 or something. So, 
<laughs> so true, you could look right through them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but you know there was. Uh, you know, there was there was nothing, and then and then you know, as as uh, as a kid with those mufflers on, you had to you know before you went to get an inspection sticker, you had to fill the tailpipes with steel wool steel to quiet wall. the car down, so <laughs> you could go get a sticker. Yeah, know that feeling. All right, Listen, thanks for a great All right. show. Take care. Bye bye now. Bye now. Okay, over to line two to Stu in North Carolina. I haven't heard from Stu in a while. Stu. Good morning, sir. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. Yeah, all the ice melting North Carolina did it? Oh, yeah. We're, we're long gone from that. All right. All right. Well, we had school canceled for several days. Yep. Yeah, well, you know, you you know, we get snow, but you guys get your share of problems, too, so. Indeed. Yep. So you have a guess at trivia, do you? Yeah, on the Benjamin Braddock question. All right. I'm looking at a picture of an Alfa Romeo spider. Yeah, and who was Benjamin Braddock? He was an actor in The Graduate. They're right. He was. He was. He was exactly that. He wasn't. Uh, he. He was. Uh, you know. He was. He was the uh, the the actor in in The Graduate. He was Dustin Hoffman. So uh, yeah. So I'll tell you what. We'll put you back on hold, and we'll send you out something that you probably don't need, but you're going to get it anyway. If it's if it's those car care products, that'd be great. All right. Well, stay right there. We'll send you out something. Okay. Okay. All right. Thanks, Stu. Bye bye. Bye-bye. All right. That was that was uh, Stu from uh, North Carolina. So d- Marita will get to Stu while I go to line one to Jose. Jose? Yes, hi. Hi. How are you? Good. Do you, so we, we've used up our Benjamin Braddock, uh, Dustin Hoffman question, so we're, we're looking for the longest hood answer, if you know that. I, I don't. They laid in the dollar short. I have the answer to Benjamin Braddock. Oh, all right. Okay, well, do a little homework and figure out who has the, who made the longest hood in the 1960s. Excellent, we'll do. Okay, thanks, Jose. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, we'll let Marita get Stuart. And we have, oh, we'll go to Kevin on line three. Kevin. Yeah, hi, John. How you doing? Good. Um, I, um, I'm i not eligible for any prizes because I got that, that, that fantastic uh, book on the Ford GT4. Oh, okay. But I just wanted to take a guess because you're running out of time. How about a 1966 Oldsmobile Tornado? Uh, no. Ah, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, thank you. All right, good try, though. Good try. All right. Bye-bye now. All right, bye-bye now. We'll let Marita get caught up. I will uh, I'll let Marita get Stu's number. And uh, out of uh, our buddy Jay Davidson always sends us uh, some stuff, and he sends me the uh, the column similar to mine, I suppose, out of the Herald, and it says, uh, "Please help. Neither my local mechanic or dealer can come up with a solution for a problem with my 2006 Mazda Tribute. Not always, but every so often, the remotes will not lock the doors, will not unlock the doors, and then I can't start the car after much manipulation of the remote." Uh, open and closing the doors, et cetera, it finally works. I purchased new remotes, changed the batteries in the remotes, but nothing can help. What do you think? Did either service agency plug in a scan tool to check for a fall code? If not, this is the first step. In in his search of his automotive database, he found if codes B1300 and B2111 are stored in memory, the problem is with the power door lock circuits, possibly a short-to-ground that would indicate the remote keyless entry or RKE transmitter is out of sync with the smart junction box. Uh, 
when you start the vehicle, will not start. You notice security warning light comes on, the passive anti-theft system. Look, it's, it's Johnny Costello just snuck in here. That's right, because Paul Sullivan is visiting his grandson, who I believe has a birthday today, down in uh, Washington, D.C., so uh, what do you do if you have all this? Uh, you remove the key, insert the other key, turn the ignition on, and often try to start the car if it works. It wasn't programmed properly. So a couple of things there. And then another question I kind of liked was, Honda Pilot's wind noises may be due to a long list of causes. I have a 2004 Honda Pilot with 92,000 miles. Over the past year or so, he's been have, I've been hearing... A momentary one or two seconds whirring, rumbling, vibration noise that appears to come from the front. It only occurs between 30 and 50 miles an hour. Honda has a whole list of possible solutions. Checking them in my automotive database, he says. Uh, Honda has some very interesting suggestions. Aim an electronic leaf blower at the vehicle. That's actually a pretty good one. Uh, I don't think it's a wind noise, though. I think it's a bearing that's probably bad. Let's see. We have a couple of questions to wrap up here. Let's go to line one and see if Frank has the answer to this son of a gun of a trivia question. Frank? Yes, hello, John Paul. How are you? I think it's a 1969 Grand Prix. You are right. Thank goodness. You are absolutely right. That was the longest hood in production car history, and it was in that 69 Grand Prix. And like I said, I actually thought it was a Monte Carlo. I thought that was the one with the longest hood in history, but apparently it was a 69 Grand Prix. Yeah, I so, thought that, uh, myself, I thought it was one of the Lincolns, because I had a uh, one of those Bill Blast editions uh, there. Uh, I don't know, I think it was a 72 or something. Yeah, yeah whatever yeah. happened to all those designer cars, the the... There, there was a bunch of those that different designers did for Lincoln, and you don't you don't see them so much anymore. Yeah, I don't know what the heck. Uh, yeah, yeah. What's wrong with that? Yeah. I, maybe maybe nobody likes the new designers. Maybe that's what it is. We'll have to <laughs> yeah, have yeah, you know is. we'll have to have the Marita McKinnon design Fiat or something. So it's you, a, it. you know. All right, stay right there, Frank. Marita will get your address down. We'll send you out something. Okay. Thank you. All right, and over to line three to Ben. Ben. Hey, John, how are you? Good, and yourself? John, I've got a little problem here. I'm sure other drivers have the same situation. A Buick, a Buick Century and a Chevy Impala. If I get out with the engine running, the driver's side lock on me. But the other side is open. It's happened on both cars. Hmm. Hmm. It's never happened before, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So it, you get out of the car with the engine running, you right. close you close the door, and the driver's side door locks. Right, but the other doors are open. The other doors are open. <laughs> I'll give you a week to figure that one out. Yeah, I know because it's because um, yeah, it's it's it's, it's yeah, it's just gonna be it's gonna be a break in the door in the door wiring harness somewhere that that feeds back to the lock mechanism. It's happened on two cars though. Hmm. But where it's just a driver's door, that's the door that gets the most work, and that's the one that's got the biggest clump of wires in it. So it's got to okay. be a short back into the system somewhere, okay. um, because it, it's. Well, I hope I hope you've learned to leave. You know, at least leave the window down a little bit, just in case they all decide. Oh no, the to other lock. doors are open. Yeah, but just in case they all decide to lock one. Well, day. in the winter time, yeah, sometimes. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, you you want to inform your drivers they should always carry a spare key. I've been locked out of my car more than yep. once. Yeah, especially I, when you become a senior citizen. Well, you know, we yeah. at triple at AAA, our 
three biggest reasons we go to rescue people: dead batteries, flat tires, and keys locked in the car. Right. So a lot of people, a lot of people still do it, and uh, and you know you got to watch out for it. Yeah, but it doesn't cost much to have a spare key in your well, wallet, right? Well, you know, sometimes yeah. you know, sometimes a spare key can be really, really expensive. But sometimes you can get a spare key that it won't work, right. other than it will just drive, it'll open the door, and that's all you want. That's right. So if it's one of those keys that's programmed part of the alarm system, who cares if it works or it doesn't? As long as you can get right. in and get your keys to lay on the seat. Okay. Yeah. Good. No. At home. At home. I'll let you know that you know where I drive a lot of different yeah. cars. Yeah. They only come. They only. They only come with one key. And once, about ten years ago, yeah. I was driving a Jeep, and it was winter time. I shoveled all out. Uh, there was about eight inches of snow on the ground. I said, I got no worries because I'm in a Jeep. I got out of the car. I walked away, and I heard click. Yeah. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> and the car locked itself. Yeah. And. After that, I always I always said to myself, if I don't have a spare key, I bought a I bought a lockout kit to keep at home just so I can break in if I have to. And the best thing about having it is I've never used it yet. Well, you know, I I carry a, a power pack battery yep. charger yep. and compressor, yep. and it's got me out of more jams. The people call AAA. In the middle of winter, though, by the time AAA comes to your home, right? Sometimes it can be busy. Sometimes we get there in ten minutes. Sometimes right. if it, if it's a you know minus twenty for four days but, in a row, we're, I mean, yeah. I, this is insurance. You yeah. Know? Oh yeah. No. Much, in you know? in uh, in my uh, in in both of our family cars, yeah. there's a jump start pack in each one, and there's an right. air compressor in, in at least one of them. So right. Yep. Yeah, no. It's you know. And is it because? Uh, no, because I, I want to, you know, first off, working at AAA, I don't want to have to use AAA because I want I want our contractors to take care of members. I, you know, if I can do it myself, I don't want to I don't want to inconvenience them. So, oh, well, they yeah. saved me more than once. Oh yeah, yeah. Both my wife and myself have it. But like I said, when I was twenty years old, I never locked my car myself out of the car. Yeah. Okay. All right. Take okay, care yeah, now. Thank you. All right. Bye bye now. Well, we are just out of time. Johnny Costello is hanging out in the studio here. Doing what, whatever he does. Yeah. Proofreading. Proofreading. Yes. <laughs> How big a box can I mail at the post office? Uh, we have a flat rate box. Do you? But can I mail a box that's like 30 inches tall, 30 inches long? Yes. Yeah? Okay. I don't know. I don't know if there's rules. You know, you, you know, people call me because they think I'm an expert. I ask John about postal stuff. So, you know, it all works out. What else do you have? Oh, yeah. That's, that's it. That's it. I got to mail some stuff. But anyway, I want to thank uh, Frank up in Melrose uh, for winning trivia, and Stu down in uh, James Jamestown. Is that what it is, Jamestown, Jamestown, North Carolina. So he's our long distance listener, I think. So at least as far as we know, because we've yet to have anyone call from Europe. Oh, oh, my neighbor. Well, you can't, he's he's a friend, so I don't I don't know if that really. You know, he called he called from yeah he called from China. So, I have yeah, yeah, you don't count them. You, they have to listen. I, yeah, yeah, I suppose if you're in Ireland, you have to listen to the Irish Hip Parade. So, <laughs> hey, we're do, we're out of time. We got to get out of here because uh, it's time for the Irish Hip Parade with uh, John Costello filling in for Sully. So uh, it's a good time. It's a good time to be had by all best best Irish music anywhere heard right here on AM nine fifty WROL. Till next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car, and I believe. We're going to be on remote next week in Canton at uh, the credit union. I think so. See you all next week. Bye-bye.